Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. Mrs. Tillman. Yes. Good morning and welcome to Philadelphia. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Mary Tillman is the mother of Pat Tillman, who died in service to his country in Afghanistan on April 22, 2004. It's a case that I've discussed extensively, and now with the aid of Boots on the Ground by Dusk, my tribute to Pat Tillman, a book that she has authored And uh, I was just so elated to hear that you'd penned all your thoughts about this because I wanted to know more about it. I tore through the book in 48 hours. It left me it left me emotionally exhausted and quite angry at my own government. Yes. Yes. Well, hopefully that's how most people will feel. (laughs) That's why, you know, I, I wanted to write it in the present tense so people have a better understanding of our outrage and sense of betrayal. It just seems like the whole family was done wrong from start to finish, and I'm left at the end of the book not knowing whether that that process has ended. 
No, it has not ended. And the other significant thing about this is that we're not the only family who has been lied to about the death of um, our soldier. And so I think that that's very significant for people to understand. I have the highest regard for for your son. I'm proud of the fact that I, I bought not only myself a number 40 Cardinals jersey, but I have three young sons and I bought one for each of them. And when I placed the order about a year ago, and I did it through whatever the NFL apparatus might be, mm-hmm. um, I was told that it was the most popular jersey at the time, which made me feel great that in this era of, of athletes who, who do a lot of wrong things and bad conduct, that Pat Tillman's jersey was held in such high regard by so many across the country. Well, I think that it's significant that, you know, I think most people do have high regard for service to the country, and, you know, they have high regard for the ideals that our country stands for. Sadly, you know, there are individuals that um, are in places of authority and power in our country that don't have the integrity and the courage that they should have. Mrs. Tillman, there's so many aspects of this that I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to run through with you, but just in terms of an overall opinion... I think what impressed me about the book is that you're a school teacher, and I hold school teachers in high regard. My father spent his entire public career as a teacher and as a guidance counselor. But as I was reading the the back and forth between representatives of the military and you, mother of Pat Tillman, in your quest for an understanding as to what really happened on April 22nd, 2004, what kept running through my mind was the idea, well, geez, that sounds reasonable, and I would have bought that. But you never did. I mean, from the first time that that a gentleman shows up on your doorstep and offers an explanation, your antenna was in the air. And and you had some street smarts that kept telling you, no, it's not right. It's not the way they were explaining it to me. What, What accounts for that? Well, I think that the thing that was the biggest red flag to me, and I and I do <clears throat> suggest it in the book, um, it's very subtle, but I know my father always said, you just never split your troops. And I know it happens. It's not, it's not you know, something that, that's never done, but it's, it, you try to avoid doing it. And the nature of the topography in Afghanistan, and especially the way the canyon was described, it seemed very strange to me that um, the troops were split. So initially, it was the orders from the Tactical Operations Center that had me very upset. And I just you know, and so I was kind of concerned about that, but I, I never really believed that um, anything as nefarious as what actually took place was going to be what we discover. Is it possible for you to give my audience, I, I want them to buy the book, I want them to buy Boots on the Ground by Dusk, because I know my audience and I know they'll appreciate your manuscript, your tribute to your son. Is it possible for you to give the short version of, of what today Mary Tillman thinks occurred April 22nd, 2004? Well, in terms of how Pat was killed, um, and, and, and it's also important to understand, because we've been accused by some people of, you know, being conspiracy theorists and, you know, things like that. And I, I guess I understand why people have that opinion. But if 
it's just that the way the information was presented to us and the documents and past autopsy, you know, very suspicious things. Um, we we did it did cross our mind that that there that maybe Pat was killed deliberately, especially because things were so clearly being covered up. But with that said, I think at this point we're pretty certain that the the reason Pat died is because the soldiers in this vehicle were just grossly grossly negligent. Um, they had just gotten through a canyon where they were being ambushed by insurgents. Um, clearly, it, it turns out it was a harassing ambush. Um, these um, enemies were way too high up on the canyon to really have done any real damage. The, um, the rounds that, that, that were fired from the enemy basically stuck into the canyon walls, but the perception of the soldiers in the canyon, um, and because of the, the ricocheting of their own bullets, um, you know, it, it was very frightening. Um, but with that said, when this first vehicle exited the canyon, I think that, um, you know, all of a sudden they, it, the canyon opened up, it became light because in, inside the canyon it was, it was dark because it was heading towards dusk. But once they got out of the canyon, I think that, you know, the light conditions were good. We were told they were good. Um, I think they actually had a sense of relief. But their adrenaline was pumped up, and I think they just had sort of a less to fight, not a fog of war as the military wants to insist. And, of course, the serial Pat was in, you know, they were coming back to try to assist the serial coming through the canyon. And when the sergeant in the first vehicle saw the Afghan militia soldier, um, he didn't process what he saw. He immediately just saw it enemy, I guess, even though this AMF soldier had on a version of the American uniform, and he shot him eight times in the chest. When he did that, um, the other soldiers opened up on the ridge line, shooting all over. Every American soldier on that ridge line was waving their arms, screaming, you know, cease fire. But for some reason, these soldiers continued to fire. Pat um, threw a smoke grenade, hoping that they would recognize the smoke as something that the only a friendly would use, because it's like theatrical smoke, almost like a liquid smoke. And actually, when he threw that smoke, the firing stopped. So all the soldiers on the ridgeline relaxed. Pat and the young private that were with him stood up. Pat came around um, the rock that he was trying to take cover behind, and all of a sudden they opened up again. And Pat was hit in the body armor. He dropped, and then he was hit in the head um, with a three-round burst. Um, they continued to fire down the ridgeline. They ended up firing a building. They wounded their platoon leader and a radio operator. They could have potentially harmed uh, women and children that were in these buildings. Um, and it was said in the testimony that they were firing so wildly that they nearly shot the soldiers in the vehicle behind them. So clearly this was, this was an act of gross negligence, a huge embarrassment to um, the Rangers that is considered to be an elite squad. So I think that it was imperative in their mind to keep this quiet. It all began because they had a vehicle down, and consequently they were, I don't know, in civilian language, behind schedule. Right. And, of course, you know, at that point, the Secretary of Defense, you know, he was on a matrix. He wanted them to check the boxes and check villages for insurgents. And it was really a very ill-advised mission because the, the, the Humvee was down. Um, clearly, it seems the common sense would dictate that they just destroy the vehicle or leave it behind. But we were told that the, the vehicle could be used as propaganda, um, and which made no sense to me at all because you can contrive propaganda these days so easily on the Internet and, and such. But um, 
they decided they were going to tow this vehicle, and um, the platoon leader, who was the first captain of his class at West Point, vehemently opposed splitting the troops because they said they wanted the half the half the um, the platoon to take the vehicle to a the host highway to have it picked up by a wrecking crew, and uh, the other half was to go to the town of Manaw. And, you know, Lieutenant Uthlat was worried about having his troops split like that, but ultimately the, the officers in the Tactical Operations Center insisted that he split the troops, and so this was what happened. There are people who are listening to this who haven't had the benefit of your book, who maybe not uh, may not be as acquainted as I am with the facts of the case, who perhaps are saying, well, with no disrespect, Mrs. Tillman, stuff happens in battle. It is the fog of war and certainly wasn't deliberate conduct on anybody's part. This is, you know, this is the price, unfortunately, that that men pay when they go to war. What would you say to that mindset? Well, I understand that mindset, and I and it's just that when you you know, and, and obviously I can't get into all the details of this on the radio in such a short period of time. Of but course, the, but what happened in this case, um, and I've had people with much more expertise than myself, um, ex Rangers, ex Delta Force, um, you know, people have looked at these documents, and they all insist that this was an act of um, serious negligence. These soldiers should have been court-martialed. In fact, the first investigative officer said there was gross negligence. negligence involved and that, 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 that it should be taken to a higher level and be criminally investigated. And his investigation was basically made to disappear. So um, this is not a usual, um, you know, just kind of an accident. Um, my family is very well versed on friendly fire. I have had lots of military um, in my family. My dad served uncles, you know, uh, my father-in-law. I mean, we're very aware of friendly fire, and it is a part of war. But this is not exactly about, you know, an errant bullet. So, something else I, I want to bring out just in our brief conversation. The, the coroner refused to sign off on the documents that were put in front of him shortly after your son's passing. Yes, when Pat's body was um, arrived at Rockville, Maryland, the coroner and the medical examiner there did not believe Pat was killed by the enemy because the wound pattern could not have been caused by an AK-47. Um, they both contacted the Criminal Investigation Division. Um, the medical examiner also contacted Human Resources Command and the Adjutant General, Brigadier General Gina Farisay. And two days after Pat's autopsy, he had a conversation with her and he told her that he was suspicious of Pat's wound pattern and he thought it should be criminally investigated. And she said, we're satisfied with what we have. We're not investigating. We also know from a, the Inspector General report that the first investigative officer, the one whose report was meant to be to just vanish, basically, they didn't want to admit it existed, um, he was told by his um, legal advisor, the JAG officer, not to tell the medical examiner it was a friendly fire. One of the a- other aspects of this that I, I didn't appreciate, there's so much detail in this book, your son was uh, was an atheist, and that became an issue because in the course of the investigation, someone with responsibility, significant responsibility for, for, for both conduct on the ground and the investigation that followed, spoke of him in derisive terms because of his lack of belief in uh, God. 
Right, and, and Pat was not a religious person. I think to say he was an atheist is somewhat of a stretch because I think Pat was a spiritual person, but uh, and he had a lot of respect for the you know the the, the religions that people um, followed, and uh, it's it, terrific that that this colonel would say the things he did. He basically suggested that the reason we keep asking questions is because we're not Christians and we can't put Pat to rest, and that is absurd. I mean, there, this this um, situation is appalling to any. Anybody, no matter what their faith, and they would all be anybody would be asking questions. So um, yeah, it was very offensive. Well, one, one other aspect, uh, Mrs. Tillman. By the way, do I have five more minutes with you or not? Um, it's fine with me. Great. Okay. I, 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 listen, I could talk your ear off because I'm I, I'm into this. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required 
accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. I really am into this, and I think, and, and for a long time, when people have come on the program, policyholders, Senator McCain and others, I've, I've always said, what is the deal on Pat Tillman? So this is not some recent level of interest for me, and I, I don't want you to think this is just another DJ that you've got to talk to to talk about the book. I'm, I'm oh, no, I, I totally into this and on your side. Yeah. Um, the most galling aspect of this, Mrs. Tillman, is is that your husband's pass. Uh, pardon me, your son's passing is on April 22, 2004. Soon thereafter, there is that memorial service, which was uh, televised nationwide by ESPN, and as a matter of fact, my intention is that at the end of this interview, I am going to play that Jim Rome tribute because I thought it was stunning. But people knew by the time of that memorial service what the real deal was, and and the picture that emerges from your book is that for public relations reasons, because there was this thirst for good news coming out of the so-called war on terror, it was kept under wraps. Yes, um, it was, I believe, done um, to, to use Pat as basically a martyr to stir patriotic feeling, to, you know, for the war. I also think it, um, his death was used to deflect attention away from the Abu Ghraib prison scandal that broke the week Pat was killed. Um, Fallujah was in chaos. The president's approval rating was dismal. And, of course, you know, April 2004 um, saw the most casualties of the war at that point. So who do you think knew? Well, we know that, um, you know, General Brown, Admiral Olson, General Yellen, I mean, high-ranking four-star generals, um, you know, from the testimonies, we know they knew within 24 to 48 hours, depending on which, you know, particular general you're talking about. Um, So we think, too, that um, because of that, Rumsfeld had to have known. Um, You know, former Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld wrote Pat a letter when he enlisted, thanking him for enlisting. Um, so Pat was in his radar, and we were shocked to find last August at the congressional hearing, and, th- and this actually <laughs> didn't get in the book. It was an oversight on my part. I thought it was in the manuscript because I had several versions, and it didn't get into the, the book. And um, But we were shocked in August of last year when we learned that um, Donald Rumsfeld sent a P-4 memo, a personal memo, to the then um, Deputy Secretary of the Army, who was Pete Guerin, who is now the Secretary of the Army. And that memo suggested, it basically said, you know, this young man is very special and we need to keep an eye on him. So it's ludicrous to think that they would know that Pat was a suspected fratricide and not tell the, the Secretary of Defense, who is, you know, pretty known to be a micromanager and very much hands-on in terms of the military, especially special operations. And if they did not tell him and he learned of this, heads would have rolled. So I, I just don't think it's uh, reasonable to, to say that he did not know. All right. Pat Tillman was, was the victim of fratricide, uh, as I said, uh, on April 22nd. On April 29th, 
there was another P4 memo. You know what I'm talking about. Right, General McChrystal. So, and, and please just take a moment and explain to folks, within days of your son's death, what is being expressed in this P4 memo? Because to me, in the whole book, this was really the smoking gun. Yes. Um, uh, General Stanley McChrystal, who is in charge of special operations, um, he sent a P-4 memo to General Abizade, General Brown, and General Kensinger, indicating that Pat's death was a suspected fratricide. And, and that is actually playing with language, because they knew it was a suspected fratricide within 24 hours. So this is just um, a kind of a heads-up to tell them, hey, this is indeed a friendly fire. And, and just don't gloss over this. McChrystal is because to the to the uninitiated like me to those who have never oh, served yes. all these but let me let me say this yeah. if i can these titles and the military levels they they they're very very confusing so explain who is this guy before you tell us this memo days uh away from your son's death Yes, well, he is the head of special operations. He is basically, or is considered to be, you know, President Bush, um, Vice President Cheney, and then former Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld's um, golden boy. Um, he answered to them. He was basically responsible for cleaning up any PR disasters, um, although Lawrence Dorita also had that that job. Um, but, you know, McChrystal was, was crucial to making sure that the things coming from, you know, the, the war fronts looked good. I mean, this is the guy who, when uh, Vice President Cheney made reference to, you know, the dark arts, and I'm, 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 I don't know, I'm paraphrasing what his word choice was, this is the guy who heads all black bag operations for the United States. Right, all black operations. Okay, good. Yes. All right. Now, all- having said that, what is this memo that he was a part of within days of, of Pat's killing? Well, he sends the memo, as I said, to Generals Abizade, Brown, and Kensinger, indicating that Pat's death was um, a fratricide. He says he he basically gives them language that they can use to still present Pat with a silver star, because remember they want to use this, um, you know, as, as, as for PR. So he's giving false narrative that they can use to 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 still give Pat the silver star. He also says in there that he doesn't want POTUS, the President of the United States, or the Secretary of the Army to make embarrassing statements about Pat's, the circumstances surrounding Pat's death. So he, he's, he's sending this memo if and the word if is crucial, if the circumstances of Pat's death become public. So they know that it's a fratricide, yet he's saying if the circumstances become public. So they have really no intention of telling us the truth unless they absolutely have. I want to read the last line literally. I felt that it was essential that you received this information as soon as we detected it in order to preclude any unknowing statements by our country's leaders, which might cause public embarrassment if the circumstances of Corporal Tillman's death become public. So that P-4 memo is circulated on the 29th of April, and then within days, there is the memorial service, and during the course of the memorial service, it, it fratricide is, is not, I mean, it's not on anybody's mind. It's not being uttered. It's being treated as if he was killed by enemy fire. That's right. I mean, that's, exactly. the, that's the charade of this that made my blood boil as I read your book. Right, and that's and, and that's exactly what they what they did, and what's really um, 
you know, interesting, too, is even to this day, um, in fact, in the 60 Minutes interview, the interviewer talked to Peter Guerin and asked him about why they didn't tell us the truth initially. And, and he said, well, they didn't know exactly what happened. They wanted to wait for an investigation. They didn't mean to not tell us the truth. But the interviewer sadly never follows up and says, then why did the Army make up a false story? And, of course, you know, he, he he wouldn't have answered the question anyway, I'm certain, but the question was never asked. And that's what's so horrible about it. If they had just kept their mouths shut and never said anything, um, I guess maybe that could have been easily, more easily swallowed. But they made up a story. They used Pat as a propaganda tool, and and then they lied about it. And because of these, the cover-up and the, the the attempt to cover his death by friendly fire up, some of the documents that we saw really were very, very disturbing to the point where we thought Pat was deliberately killed. You don't believe that today, though. Well, I, I it's the, it's it, it, I don't. I don't think it's as likely. I haven't eliminated it completely, but I think that we've pretty well established that this was a situation of gross negligence. But because everything is so bizarre, um, you know, there's still a tiny window of doubt, I suppose. But I think that for the most part, we're satisfied that this was probably just extremely gross negligence. How How many soldiers were a part of this military operation between Megara and Mana on this particular day? I'm not sure exactly. I would say approximately 40 soldiers. And do you believe that you know who among the 40 actually pulled the trigger that took the life of your son? Yes, I'm pretty certain we know who that is, but I'd rather not say that. Uh, that. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ask you, but have you, have you confronted that individual or no. individuals? No. I've never talked to them, no. Uh I take it you'd probably just, I mean, from what I glean of, of your composition, you strike me as the kind of person who wants to go and see that terrain when, if and when it's safe enough for you to do so. Oh, absolutely. Of course, it isn't safe enough. Right. I mean, I've, I've talked to people about going over there, and, and there's clearly individuals who are willing to take, you know, members of the family when the time comes. But it's, it's more dangerous than the border of Pakistan now than it was then. All right. One other observation for Mrs. Tillman, and thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. It, it's something that you didn't say much about in the book, but this was my assumption. Pat and Kevin, they signed up to go get those responsible for September 11. Mm-hmm. Initially, and, 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 and he died in the hunt for those responsible for September 11 in Afghanistan, you know, five or so miles away from the, the Pakistani border. But he first went to Iraq, correct? Yes. Didn't sit well with him, did it? No, not at all. No, he, we, none, of, none of us were pleased when the president decided to go into Iraq, and Pat and Kevin were, were very disturbed about it, and they were even more disturbed when they returned from Iraq. Why? Well, it, it, to them, it just seemed clear that um, that there was no plan going into this, and that you know, it just appeared as though they were. Well, they called it they were they were there looking for unicorns. In other words, they were there looking for weapons of mass destruction, and it got to be a joke. The soldiers just kept saying they were out there looking for unicorns, and and of course, the, initially, the people of Iraq seemed you know the the first weeks. Seemed 
seemed, you know, pleased to have um, the U.S. presence there, thinking that it would make, you know, there might be an improvement in their lives. But quickly it became clear that that was not going to be the case. And and just before they were leaving Iraq, um, they sensed that the, the people of Iraq were, were getting very hostile. And, of course, you know, we had no plan in terms of how to, you know, keep the infrastructure of, of the region intact and to make sure that, that people had just the creature comforts. And, and of course, you know, we know, too, that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have been killed over there. Uh, your son was quite a man. I really wish I'd had the privilege of making his acquaintance. I mean, I read this book and I just said it, it, it's everything I thought that he was. I, I sure wish I could have had a beer with him at some point in his life. <laughs> Yeah, he was very special. I mean, he, you know... Guy, he was, guy's a stud. Can I say that? Yeah. I mean, I just, I look at this picture on the back cover, and the man was a stud. And he but. just seemed like he had such a raw American individualist quality to him. That's what I take away from Pat Tillman. That's why I want my boys to wear his jersey and not the jerseys of some other guys uh, who are at that level. You know what I'm saying. Oh, I absolutely do. And, and just to make clear, you know, Pat, you know, as a younger person, he got in his share of trouble. Oh, and, I can tell that yeah. too, Mrs. Tillman. Okay. I just don't want to make, I hope I didn't glorify him. No, you, no you, you told yeah. the story. What, what yeah. was the, the name of the dance that he went to? Where he, he like uh, when he when they, they let him into the dance? Oh hell, I can't think of the name oh, of it. Was it. A, it was a Bronco night. Yeah, Bronco was, night. What's yeah, it, what does he do when he walks into Bronco yeah, night? He he walk, he goes into Bronco night and he slides on his uh, belly across the gym floor and kind of you know kind of uh, you know shoots up on his pelvis basically slides up and he stands up right in front of the principal and the principal kicked him right out of the dance. And you you had to go pick him up. I had to go back. Oh and yeah, I get the total picture and I I feel no differently than what I said a minute ago. Okay, uh, I just don't want to, I mean, he was very human, and I think that that's another reason yeah. the book's important. He he wasn't a character, um, he was a real person, and he had real struggles and real conflicts about what's right and wrong, and he tried to do the right thing, and um, that's what's so sad, and his government so mistreated him and is so disrespectful to him, and, and they're, they're being disrespectful to soldiers as we speak. And it, is, it is my honor to have had you on my radio show, and I hope I get to meet you at some point. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be talking to you, and I appreciate the forum. Books, uh, Boots on the Ground by Dusk, my tribute to Pat Tillman. There's a story as to why that's the title of the book, but I want you to go buy it and read it to appreciate it. Uh, Mary Tillman, thank you for being in Philly. Thank you so much for having me. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.